Hello, welcome to U.S. Open Week on the European Tour Picks and Bets. This is Skylar Hoke here with my man Tom Jacobs. Tom, how's it going? We're good. Yeah, it's good. We've had a I'm sure you had an exciting week last week with uh, Gary Higo winning at the Palmetto Championship. Um, you know, made that step up, didn't he? We didn't think he'd. Uh, well, I certainly didn't think he could go straight in and do it. You obviously did. Um, and look, you know, I still think Chesson Hadley, you know, threw it away, but the victor. You know, the person that's at the spoils was Gary Higo. And, and it's amazing that he's gone and done that in such a quick start. And Wilco Nineaver as well made a, an excellent run of it as well. Yeah. What a what a back nine that was from the sense of, you know, hoping Higo had enough for the places to cashing a 50 to one ticket. That's about as lucky as you can really get, especially at the week before having Yuka Sasso do that on the back nine as well. You don't get back to back weeks like that literally ever in golf. So very fortunate, which probably means the other side of the coin. Maybe it was the Guido playoffs. Maybe that was the turning of I mean, it would make sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, I mean, after getting beat by two old men, you know, you need to (laughs) need to get your luck in. But uh, look, it it was great to see him do it. Um, I think it's nice for him to take that step up and natural progression. I think the European tour, from our point of view, we may have lost ourselves uh, a start. And yeah, and we've been talking about Wilco Nineaver for a little while, and I think that his game has been perfectly suited to PGA Tour. You knew as soon as he went over there, you know, they couldn't wait to put the content out of his four hundred yard drives. and yeah, I mean, like you, we, we spoke about just off air before we came on, David Lipsky as well played very, very well. So you played those three guys, the three guys we talked about on this show for, you know, since we started, uh, you had a very good week last week. Yeah. And that's why this matters. And Pat's talked about it. And we appreciate Pat's support always in referring to us, you know, going through these guys, uh, each major, you know, cause they do have an impact on that final leaderboard. They do have opportunities at low ownership to pay off massively in contests on DraftKings this week. Um, and the U S open has seen uh, like long, long shots, underdogs, you know, really almost at Tory Pines, a 500 to one winner with Rocco Mediate last time it was here in 2008. You know, it really does have a huge opportunity to pay off the research that we have been doing, you know, for, for years. And a lot of these guys coming over to play, especially when it is this facet of qualification, you know, sometimes it's the open qualifier, which we saw in the United States, which you might get a golfer who runs hot for 36 holes. These spots by the European tour guys were earned, you know, top 10 order of merit for that three three week uh run so you're going to see golfers who have strung together good rounds for a good amount of time and you know i love a little lead in form so i think that's a lot to be said um but yeah u.s open week man it's my favorite week of the entire year what's your thoughts on tory pines yeah i mean look it's a it's a course that we're familiar with but in a, in a different sense it's not one that we see very often in majors right we only saw it in 2008 we all know that Tiger Woods won it on one leg. Uh, it's a line that everyone likes to get out very quickly. Um, but there were some Euro guys up there last time. Lee Westwood was there in third place. Miguel Angel Jimenez was up there as well. Robert Carlson, who doesn't have a son called Anson, <laughs> as we discovered last week. Um, look, it it's hard, isn't it? Because we spoke about it on the podcast last night that, that I personally just think that you have to view everything at at the farmers as a bonus and something that you should consider. I mean, I've talked about like Tony Fee now, he's never finished outside the top 24. Why would you not use that? The reason people are making John Rahm favourite is because of what he does in this event uh, in January. So it's impossible to ignore it, um, but it is going to be a different setup. It is good. There are, there is talk uh, by Paul Zazori on the Tall Jackies podcast about graduated rough. I'm not sure if that's coming into play. Um, but like we've, we've been saying in the lead up, I think that 
ultimately you're looking for for long hitters. Um, that is, that is the main order of players. It seems to be in every major we talk about at the moment. Um, but if you've got a guy that can find a fairway relentlessly, find the greens, and and they're guys that are good with their long irons. Uh, like a Colin Morikawa or someone who we're going to go on to later as a bit of a B-tech Colin Morikawa, maybe on the European tour. Um, you know, it's you can get it done in different ways and, and certainly scrambling and putting is going to be a big factor. Yeah, it has to be. And I think I love what Jeff Feinberg posted on Sunday. I think it was, or maybe early Monday morning where not to overcomplicate things. We see what the USGA has set up for five years in a row. And to think they're going to, you know, change that up when the quality of winners has continued to be excellent Americans. Um, I don't really know that they want a score of eight to 15 under par, you know, if they can get it at even, that is exactly what they probably want. Um, you know, I, the, the fried egg had the superintendent of the golf course on there that talked about, you know, wanting to have an even par score. If somebody gets to eight or eight or nine, you know, then they just had a tremendous weekend. These golfers are the best golfers in the world. They're elite athletes that are, have such a skill set that they could do that at any course in the world, but I'm ready for the tough test. So before we go into kind of our selections and kind of breakdown of the European tour side would like to take a moment, please feel free to subscribe, give us a rate and review on YouTube. If you would like to listen to us on any of the podcast platforms, we are available under daily fantasy sports picks and bets, the mix. You can find that on all the different platforms. Please feel free to subscribe for us as well. That goes a long way in the continued support of our show here and everybody at Mayo media network. So we thank you for that. Um, so with that, Tom, I guess, you know, the top of the board, and I think even as we go down, ultimately, you know, even me, I think the winners are probably going to be 28 to one and under for the week. You know, I really like the Bash Bros and, and Brooks and Bryson, you know, up top, of course, but the places of these golfers that we're going to talk about are as long, if not longer than a lot of these golfers who, you know, take up a, a large chunk of the win equity and we can see different long shots come through. So who is the one right off the top? I think maybe mid range or a little bit longer that sticks out to you. Yeah, I mean, look, I think, I think like you say, it's very, very difficult to look past the top of the market. That's why they're there, right? Um, I, for some reason, in my selections last night, and I just realized this afterwards, it's not the fill effects, but I think my average age of my golfers are kind of like, you know, 43 years of age. And it, and it's worrying because, you know, we, we do need some younger athletes in there. The youngest of the group that I've uh, gone with is Shane Lowry. Um, and I was a little bit put off by his price, I must admit. I think he's been um, well considered this week. I think quite often I'm very much against him most weeks because I, it kind of felt like fate that he won the Open Championship, right? Like he That was born for him to win. It was the right venue, right time. Um, but he's a WGC winner. He's played well in California. He played well at Pebble Beach when US Open was there. He's been top 10 in two US Open. Should have won the one at Oakmont. Obviously, has learned from that and gone on to win the Open Championship. Um, and he's playing the best golf of his career on the PGA Tour, certainly this season. You know, he's just constantly wrapping up like top 10, top 20 finishes. Um, it, the only negative was the price. But you look at his last two starts, fourth at the PGA, where he was excellent on that final day. Um, led the, uh, led the uh, field in such stroke and to green. Uh, was sixth at Memorial, was a great warm up, ninth at the Heritage, 21st at the Masters, which I don't really consider him somewhere that he has a chance, eighth at the players as well. So everything kind of points towards him having a great week. He's played well at Torrey Pines in the past, um, you know, coastal, which I think is perfect for him as well. Um, so, really and truly, 
when you look at him and, and you've got guys like Tyrrell Hassan up there as well at similar prices, those are the kind of two that you come to first on the board. Uh, and it was Shane Lowry for me as, as the obvious choice. And he's going to draw some popularity, I think, on DraftKings. 7,600 to your point, you kind of see the blue across, um, you know, Lowry's odds on the board. He, you know, Pat is very fond of him this week. And a lot does point to that with his recent off the tee and, and you know, being in the mix at major championships. So no qualms with Lowry. Um, my selections realistically end up being quite a bit down the board. And a DraftKings perspective, you did bring up Hatton. We saw the best ball striking we've seen out of Hatton at the Palmetto Championship last week. You know, he potentially could be in the mix there, but truthfully, the one that I think is, you know, maybe it's almost an adverse effect. If Garrick Higgo would have finished second last week and Hadley still would have won by three, I ultimately think he would have been more popular than him winning this week. So Garrick Higgo is $7,200 on DraftKings. If you, again, his, his life has changed. He's 22 years old. He has wrapped up a PGA tour card. He is going to be moving from, from South Africa, you know, or wherever he had had made stay in Europe. And, and now he's going to be probably living here in Florida, maybe the jupe life, maybe he's out in Scottsdale, you know, his life is forever changed. Um, so to come back from that, you know, four or five days later and to tee it up in a major championship, it is asking a lot, but the pedigree of what Garrick Higo does is, in my opinion, perfect for a U.S. Open. Long off the tee, you know, we saw that around the green touch, you know, we saw his putter, you know, really pick up over the weekend and save him after Thursday and Friday. Ultimately, you know, if he would have putted well, he could have won that event by four or five had Thursday or Friday been the putter we saw at the Canary Islands. But I think Higo, just for some reason, still could get overlooked coming off the victory. So I am absolutely going back to him this week. It's, it's like you say, golf is the only sport where if someone wins the week before, you, you kind of hold it as a negative against in the week after because you think they can't go back to back. We've seen Higo go virtually back to back, you know, and then he's gone and, and now added to that on the PJ Tour as well. I completely agree with you. That if he'd have finished second, everyone would be like, oh, he's in great form. He's really building up to this. Now he's won it. They're like, oh, he can't do that. And I think it's almost cool or edgy to oppose him. Like, okay, you know, I've missed the boat on Higo and everyone's going to oh, fall in, and they're going to, he's going to miss the cut or whatever they talk themselves out of it and i think that's it's a dangerous thing to do right because he has the skill set we talk about the fact that his life's going to change he's been he was at the university of uh, nevada um so he's been out in vegas for two years before he turned professional so you know he he's accustomed to it well you know it's his major championship it's a new thing for him relatively after the pj championship it's it's a learning curve um but i don't see any reason why he can't be good you know he's just gone done what he's done um, he's going to be a very comfortable grouping. So, yeah, I think it, it does just come down to ownership, doesn't it? We talk about DraftKings. If he does, if it looks like he's going to be popular, then maybe you go elsewhere because I think there's plenty of options at his price range. Um, but he's certainly priced at an attractive price to, to fill up some lineups. Yeah, uh, it, I think you you hit the nail on the head. Hopefully, you know, maybe he doesn't even have time for it to sink in. You know, he wins on Sunday night. He, he's at Torrey Pines by Monday and, and you can't even comprehend the situation and you keep rolling. And maybe young kids like that, as we've seen, these these young ones continue to show up in the biggest of moments without any prior experience that really shows off, you know, what, what they had in these, you know, major championships like we saw for Morikawa, Hovland, Wolf, you know, the, the big boys of it. I think that's, um, you know, interesting. However, you've gone with a Wiley veteran in this area as well. So break down uh, to us what you think of Justin Rose for this week. 
So I remember at the start of all this, we're at the Saudi, and I pointed out that he was 60 to 1 in the field, and I couldn't understand because everyone's kind of written him off. All of a sudden, Justin Rose is kind of sneaking back up now, isn't it? Okay, he's, he's had these two top 10s in, in the major championships this season. Um, you know, he was there for 36 holes at the Masters. Yes, he dropped away, but then he's right back at the PJ Championship as well. Had a nice warm-up at Colonial. Um, so, you know, I, I see no reason to oppose a guy that's already won a US Open. Um, I really like looking back at the Reese Jones form and he, you know, Hog Hill Congressional uh, Aronomy. He's won three different Reese Jones redesigns. Um, he's won here at Tory Pines. Um, I just, I do not see the negatives in him. You know, I think he's now scheduling his life around these major championships, a bit like we see with Adam Scott, a bit like we see with, you know, Phil and Tiger as, you know, later in their careers. Obviously, he's not at that level, but he has won a major championship. And I, I see definitely him winning one more major before he's done. I don't think there'll be many more, um, but I think it could be the US Open, which he's performed admirably in, outside of just his win. He's had the top fives, top tens in it very often. Um, or it's going to be Augusta. He's finally going to get it done where he deserves. Um, but I think he's got a great game for this, isn't he? You know, he's, we know he's long and straight off the tee when he's when he's uh, in form. Um, his scrambling is probably a little bit underrated. His putting, you know, it, it's streaky, but here he's proven he can do it. And yeah, I just, again, maybe I'm getting caught up in the fact that he's had two really good major performances, but he's he's listed in decent performances elsewhere. You know, he was playing well at... Um, at Bay Hill before he withdrew as well. So it's not like he's he's kind of been a flash in the pan. He's he's been pretty steady throughout and and I really like him. Yeah, I think Coley hit it pretty well um, talking on Lost for Words last night with you guys. You know, he has flashed in each of the buckets. It's do you string it together for four yeah. rounds? Like like you saw with the Phil moment. You know, Phil played perfectly for four rounds and may have had a couple flashes. Rose has had, you know, substantially more than what Phil has had in the lead up of that. But no, you know, you can't put aside, you know, what some of these golfers do, especially at a classic golf course like this, having the experience relative to other golfers who might have have deeper odds that we'll talk about a little bit now um, than, you know, Rose does, but the lack of experience potentially is going to be a negative factor. Before we move on further down the board, I'd be interested to see your thoughts on Paul Casey, because he's a guy that you give a lot of support to, uh, career best um, performances right now. He's just absolutely superb. Seems to have got these major championships. We, we talk about on the podcast about that, that sort of change in his attitude at Harding Park, where he seemed almost grateful with being contention, but also completely relaxed and and Morikawa had to beat him he didn't beat himself he was right there and he just had to marvel at what happened you know the eagle late on um and the only my only concern with him I went against the guys on the podcast was the fact that his US Open record isn't great he's been up in the lead a couple of times and, and faltered away and I just wonder whether his game is suited more to the Open and Augusta um but I was just curious to hear your thoughts yeah, the way I structured my card for the week, ultimately going with, with Brooks and Bryson, led me to not be able to spend as much in the mid-range as I'd liked. I am incredibly, you know, fancied on Will Zalatoris for the week. You know, I think this sets up so perfectly for him that ultimately, you know, Casey had to be one of my last cuts. But he is the new Matt Kuchar when it comes to majors on draft yeah. teams, where he's habitually underpriced. There is no reason that he needs to be under $8,000. You know, if he was... 8,800 instead of 7,800, I probably wouldn't bat an eye, but you know, I think he's one of the best plays in DFS for the week because of his consistency, because of the ball striking he's continued to show. So I am not shying away from Casey. He doesn't have to win the golf tournament to pay off that salary that he is. So absolutely. You know, I think a lot of what you said makes so much sense. And again, 
you don't have to, and that's where the worry comes. Can Casey get over the line in a major, you know, he can pay off the each way potentially there. Do you think he's going to win? That's a big ask. However, you know, he can absolutely be a crucial member of your DraftKings team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I was just curious on that. The other name that we've, we're probably going to go past is Tommy Fleetwood. who's a guy that, you know, has had a lot of support over the years. And I think people are slowly running out of a bit of patience for him. And I think there's been, he's found it, he's one of the people, and he's spoken, he's been very vocal about it, has struggled with the lockdown, with being away from his family during a tough time. But his results have, have just slowly been going the wrong way. He was fourth and second in those uh, two US Open 2017, 2018, 65th and missed cut the last two. Um, second at the Open Challenge 2019, but otherwise 46th uh, at the Masters, cut the PGA Championship this season. Doesn't seem like the best golf course for him. Um, so I can see people going to him because he's a good little pivot play there um, on DraftKings. But I just I just wonder if he's got it for, for Tory Pines. Love Tommy, but yeah, the patience is wearing thin on, on him in these big moments, I think, in my opinion. Um, would, would be rooting for him, um, of course, if he's in the mix, but not going to be uh, anywhere near where I will be allocating my funds for the week. Um, I'm going to get to potentially a golfer who's becoming one of the new major slayers. Um, and slayer is a huge word to be said about what his performances have been. But Robert McIntyre has played every single weekend he has teed it up in a major championship. We had the 12th place finish at Augusta. We had obviously the top 10 at the Open Championship. Kiowa makes the weekend, makes a ton of birdies. Bob just loves a test of golf like this. He's an excellent driver of the golf ball and the short game has started to seen its upticks over the year. You know, he is now, I think in a different class relative to some of the golfers on the European tour, still available at 200s, 225, 7,000 flat on DraftKings. I'm going to trust what he has done in major championships. I'm going to trust, you know, his consistency when it comes to off the tee approach game um, and really think these type of major setups do fit well for Robert McIntyre. What are your thoughts on Bob? He's more volatile than people would give uh, credit for. You know, whenever you see Bob McIntyre come up on the on the commentary, it's all about how consistent he is, how brilliant he is, how he can be the next great thing. And I don't think there's anything to support that. I think he's got infinite amount of talent. So I think the potential you talk, we talk about Jeff and Pat talk about back in the potential of a player. I think he's absolutely that. I think you, the ceiling for him is is very very high. It's just knowing what he's going to do week to week. When he was 12th at the Masters and his debut there. Uh, then he was 59th at the Heritage, somewhere where you think maybe you could suit him. I know he's you know not ideal for his long bombing game, but then he goes eighth at the British Masters. Then he's 49th at the PGA, where you think it's much like an Open Championship. This would be absolutely superb for him. Then he went to Himalayan, and we questioned that decision, didn't we? I think the preparation's been a slightly odd for for Bob, and I just that's the only thing that puts me off. I think, like you say, and. I, uh, it seems to me that this happens every time. You're really supportive of him and I'm negative. And I think it's just me probably being British and just trying to tone it down a little bit. Um, but yeah, you know, I think that there's nothing about his game that won't suit here. He's a, he's a long, relatively straight driver of the ball. I think he's got great touch on and around the greens. Uh, I was a bit streaky on the greens. And I just wonder whether the, yep. tears, the tears of the greens would kind of catch him out. But as we say with someone like Colin Morikawa, again, different level, but... It doesn't matter, does it? You know, you know, one week he's going to pass okay, and the other week he's going to be terrible, and it's just a case of him not being terrible in the greens. I think. Yeah, 
Hundred percent. Yeah, you need the short game to match, but I do think the upside relative to being priced at about seven thousand dollars again on DraftKings, each ways. I know you guys overseas are, are getting ten places and some spots. You know, reduced odds a little bit, but you know, you get a quarter or a fifth of the odds for a one fifty to one long shot to finish in the top ten. You know, that's when things get quite interesting for these long shots is they can pay off, like we mentioned at the top, you know, just as much as the outright winners, if not, you know, double on that for some of these guys we're going to continue to talk about. Who would be next that interests you? Yeah, I mean, one one name that really I, I'm really happy with is Jordan Smith. And we've spoken about him a lot of times on the podcast about if anyone else plays for him, he'd be an absolute superstar. Um, and he's kind of found that short game again recently. Um, his driving over the last three weeks or the last three starts has been pretty much immaculate. Um, and what, he had that top 10 at the PGA Championship in 2017, right after winning the Porsche European Open. He's just played very well there again. He was 11th. He was third the week before. So I think he's he's rounding into that form. And, and I spoke about the the kind of beat it version of um, Colin Morikara. And, you know, his long irons are great, but he doesn't need to, he doesn't put so much pressure on that because he is a, a streaky long driver of the ball. And again, it's going to come down to his passing like he does with so many people. Um, but a guy you're going to go on to in a minute, you know, not your favourite Italian, but the other one, um, I think they've got very similar skill sets. And it's just a case of any one of these three, we're going to mention it in a moment, it is just going to be who's going to perform the best on the greens. And when they do it, um, I think one of these three that we mentioned are going to be very much in the in the hunt for a top 10, top 12 finish. Yeah, I, I love that play. Um, you know, he, to your point, 54 holes of, um, you know, what was in Germany at the Porsche. He, he was, he started very slow and really picked up round two into round three. Had that been a 72 hole tournament, he could have maybe snuck into the places. Um, you know, so I really like his trends and you mentioned, you know, off the tee driving distance, I think it'd be valuable for listeners to walk through. If you look at the year, who is the longest guys on the European tour? We'll talk about a few here though, but you have Wilco off the top, obviously being about 30 yards longer than the average European tour player. Adrian Maronk would be next on that list. Garrick Higo, Thomas Dietrich, Guido Migliazzi, Tommy Fleetwood, Jordan Smith, Bernd Wiesberger, Johannes Veerman, Marcus Armitage, Robert McIntyre. Those would be the longest guys. If you looked at strokes gained off of the tee on a long scale on the European tour, Robert McIntyre, Jordan Smith, Adrian Maronk, Tommy Fleetwood, Justin Rose being your top five of those golfers. And then if you really shrunk down that sample size and you wanted to look who is hitting it best off the tee of the golfers that play over there, substantial amount. Again, Jordan Smith, number one, Kira Kigo, number two, Adrian Maronk seems to be another golfer who continues to fall on the list. Eduardo Molinari, who you brought up as well you know, Thomas Dietrich, Robert McIntyre, these type of golfers that, you know, we really fancy that side of the game. And probably the one that might translate the most is off the tee game because it's the most consistent of any strokes gained category. Um, You know, they have to still step it up, but we saw Wilco do that to your point last week with it. So yes, Jordan Smith, would be um, very intriguing from that sense. But let's talk Eduardo Molinari. Um, You know, I think both of us really love the ball striking he has been recently. He has been absolutely superb. We spoke about it before where you you were very keen on him and and you were were early on him because I think, you know, even when I spoke about him and joined you on him, he was kind of 150th one, but he was 301 week before and you'd kind of picked out from his strokes and approach. And I kind of said that he's the type of guy that gets in his own head 
Um, he's very statistical. Um, but he's hitting the ball the best he ever has in his career right now. And there's not many. You know, Jordan Smith will be one of them um, in terms of strokes going approach that can really hang with him on the European tour when he's playing the way that he does. And he is at the moment. Um, is the lack of a distance a little bit of worry? I don't think so. I think he hits it plenty far enough. Again, it is just purely on the greens. Um, and we're not asking them to gain 10 strokes on the greens. We're just asking them not to lose five. Um, and that that is really going to be what it's going to come down to. It's going to be the first time he's played, uh, you know, been to a major championship with his brother for almost a decade, I think it is. You know, it, it's a big moment for him, really. You know, is the age that he is, you know, he's not young. And it's this is where he would see himself as being, you know, he should have been in this every year. You know, he won the US Amateur, you know, one of the few Europeans that actually do that, um, you know, and... And that's massive. And I think that him having that sort of experience on U.S. soil could really lend a favor to him even this many years on. Yeah, it is. That's pretty special, I think, overall, to to play with your brother in this in this setting after it probably seemed like something that might not be possible, you know, with with the state of both of their games. Um, So it's really cool. Excited for both the Molinari brothers. But it it just rolls into the, the simple topic of what would be next for us. And, and it's Guido Migliazzi. I mean, <laughs> to, to think about the opportunity of a lifetime we have. It's cool the Molinari brothers love them, but it is Guido season in major championships, folks. They're throwing out 500s to one. You know, we're getting, you know, I think it was like a 40 to one for a top 10. You know, again, if you have the places of the 500, you might even get 100 to one for an each way. You know, ultimately, you know, we mentioned him on some of these statistics off the tee distance, you know, Guido does have that in his bag of tricks. Approach game can be lights out at times. Short game has arguably been the most improved out of anybody from consistently watching the European tour. Guido around the green is really decent right now. I'm not going to say he's like the best on the European tour at it, but that, you know, around the green gameplay, we saw it really come, um, you know, to fruition down the stretch in some of those events where his putter and, you know, his chipping around the green did pay off for him. Of course, we had a couple of three putts there that ultimately cost us a victory, but you know, Guido, I think gears up best when it's the tougher tests of golf, when you don't have to just blitz birdies through, you know, we saw both of those times where he missed out either in a playoff or by a stroke. Um, you know, I guess, two of the three times where he's placed this year have been single digit winning scores or just beyond I'm um, into the teens. Of course, Byrne took it deep also in Denmark when Guido got to 16 under, but I just love, you know, truthfully love what he could do here. And that, that's, you know, just a side of what it is. Ultimately we have, you know, a golfer who is back-to-back second places, potentially the best form of anybody in the European tour right now would fit a type of course like Tory. Of course, it's a huge step up. First time playing in the States. You know, this is a big deal for Migliazzi. So is the moment too big? I hope not. But he has an incredible group to tee off with. I think he's like the third or fourth group on Thursday morning with Wilco and as well as Cameron Young, two golfers who, I mean, I, I probably talk about it here shortly as well. But I, I actually think this could set up well for Guido. So the thing with him is that everybody's going to say, Nah, whatever he does in European soil is not going to translate over here. You look at his two wins at the Magical Kenya Open, the Belgian knockout, not even the most prestigious European tour victories, right? But he nearly won, he probably should have won the British Masters, which is a, a big enough event. And he can only win and play in what's in front of him. You know, he's not had the opportunity. First major appearance. Um, you know, he's not played in WGCs. He's not played stateside. We've just seen Gary Kiko and Wilco Nine go over and do exactly that last week. 
Um, and there's no reason to think Guido can't. You know, he's 24 years of age. He's got a great skill set. And it is completely how they look at it. And, you know, he's got a very good management team around him in Modest. You know, mm-hmm. there's a massive thing that they know how big of an opportunity this is going to be for him. If he can do this on this biggest stage, and whether he, he thrives under that or or caters, because, you know, we've had Thorbjorn Olsen, we've had Thomas Peters, we've had Dietrich, we've had people like that all make big, big performances and big moments. And he's got a chance now to, to really change the tide of his career. I mean, it depends whether he wants... Some people prefer to stay on the European Tour the most of their career and just play the odd major in WGC. That's absolutely fine. But I think the way and the line of thinking, especially with his management team, he's got Cyril Hassan there with him. He's got someone, you know, to follow and, and you know, the blueprint. And for me, it's a big, big moment. And it's, it's just how he deals with that. Because like you say, the form is immaculate. He can't, everyone's saying, he, you know, he's not done it on the PGA Tour. He hasn't had the opportunity. He's not been given it. He's not the guy, you know, he's not a Wilco 9 over that's going to get invites and get caught over there. He's not a Garrett Kicker that's won very, very recently and get the call up. He's just a guy that's very, very good at the level that he's played at. Um, you know, you're all going to be slightly biased on him. You absolutely love him. We watched the European Tour, We, you know, and he's someone you're very invested in. But there's no reason not to play him, especially at the number, especially what he's going to let you do in the teams. I mean, we're talking about Eduardo Molinari, Jordan Smith, and Guido Megliozzi can all really open up your DraftKings team. I think you will go and... And Garrick Higo, because they've had last week's experience and because um, Garrick's obviously played in the major recently, and they've probably got the more prototypical um, game for this event, they would be the safer options. But these guys are someone that you can chuck in and just, just fill up some lineups with them because it's going to give you an awful lot to do at the top of the, uh, of the bracket. Tom, you almost made me shed a tear right there. That was beautiful. I cannot wait for this moment for Guido. Um, super excited. And again, life-changing opportunity for a lot of these guys we have talked about to continue on their career. Um, you know, I really do want to spend some time on Wilco. You know, we, we have briefly mentioned up his name each and, you know, every kind of comparison so far. But, you know, it was on full display what his bag of tricks is. You know, hitting it 360 plus almost every single hole last week. Palmetto was wide open. Palmetto allowed him to do that. But, you know, it really was, you know, if we're going to think about what what Bryson does, what Brooks does, what DJ does at these U.S. Opens, you know, you do see golfers that just hit it long, do well and give themselves a chance when they're potentially not, you know, even the caliber of what, you know, golfers at the top of the, you know, odds boards would be to have the skill set where you're literally the best in the world at something. And he was available as long as a thousand to one, you know, he's probably getting back down into the the 400s, you know, a little bit now, but I just think it's worth a flyer on number to just show off that talent. And who knows all it takes, we talk about, you know, Kikuya rough, bad lies, you know, maybe graduated rough down that. That's all speculation too. You could walk out there and get good lie after good lie in this rough still and be able to hack it out and just make pars over and over when you're 370 yards down the fairway. I think ultimately that is a huge edge over anybody else in the field. So I think it's worth risking if people just want to play the game, sit and wait, let them do it once. Ultimately, you missed out on the chance on Garrett Cagle last week if you did that. At the U.S. Open, if you're competing in Millionaire Makers, if you are trying to get on long shots, if you're setting your card up that way, you, you just can't put aside that skill set. So I, I am definitely in on Nienaber this week. The thing with him as well is that he hasn't got the victory on the European Tour yet, so we haven't seen him win. 
um, which will put people off. He was very, very close to victory last week. You know, at the Palmetto Championship, what do we think of Wilco Nino? If he's, he could be one of the most owned players in in DraftKings, I imagine if he had won last week, because yes. because it would have been like, okay, well, he's got the perfect skill set. He is Bryson and Matthew Wolf. That's what we just saw uh, compete at wing foot. Every single year, we get a video without doubt of someone throwing the ball in the rough and it disappearing, and everyone going, "We can't get the ball out." And every single year, we see someone hit it 360 yards down there. And and slap it out and and then make the pass. Gary Woodland done it at Pebble Beach. Brooks Kepka's done it twice. We just watched Bryson do it. We watched Wolf run him close. You know, and you talk about inexperience. Matthew Wolf was so inexperienced. You know, he, he was absolutely superb last year. Um, and and Wilco has got the exact same skill set. And it, it, it purely, you know, when I don't think when we're talking about him, we expect him to win. I don't. We, we don't expect him to go out and challenge it. You know, a lot of these guys that we're talking about, Jordan Smith isn't going to win this golf tournament. I don't think. It'd be nice if he did. But, um, you know, top 10s, top 12s, even top 20s are going to pay off their, their price on DraftKings. They're going to do what they need to do. And you, we look at Brandon Grace. You know, we look at George Coetzee. They've all played pretty well in major championships in the past. And is Wilco 9A but as good as them? Early signs suggest yes. You know, whether they, whether it is not when it's all said and done, he's got the most transfer, transferable skill set out of those guys for the PGA Tour. And this is going to be a really good time for him to shine, like we just said about Guido, um, because he's certainly going to be keen to get out on that PGA Tour because his his game is so much more suited to the PGA Tour than his European Tour. Um, you know, he probably gets three, four events in the European Tour a year where he can really go right his bombs away and I don't need to worry about any hazards. Whereas PGA Tour, that's every week. So he can he really wants to get out of there, make his money, um, and yeah, it really will start this week. Yeah, I, I'm truly excited. Um, I wish they could have the every shot live so I could watch that group and just see Guido <laughs> and, and Wilco just rip it up. So no, having both of them, I really look forward to it. Um, I would say the next golfer we talk about probably isn't one that follows the stipulations of being on the European tour as he is a Japan golf tour guy, but this is the international show. This is long shot season. You know, this is DraftKings. Let's mix it up. If you want to get to John Rahm this week, if you want to play a Brooks Bryson combo, you're dipping into the sixes and this golfer opens up a load of options uh, for the week. So who would be the one at 6,100 that you think stands out? So Chan Kim, who has just finished 23rd at the PGA Championship, he has just qualified for the event down the road in California. Um, you know, he finished 35th at the workday when he was really, really lightly run. He hadn't played uh, a DraftKings qualifying event since October at the Zozo Championship. Um, he was 11th at the Open Championship back in 2017. So um, I, I kind of used the um, saying of Todd Hamilton back when he won the Open Championship. Everyone was so surprised. Um because he already been he'd been out in Japan and everyone kind of forgot about him and, and I don't know if Chan Kim's quite going to go and win a major and shock the world um, but at 6100 does he need to do that no he needs to get tied 23rd tied 11th tied 12th he hits it a mile he's absolutely superb um, he does win it's not a guy that's just playing really really well in Japan we talked about Takumi Kanaya didn't we earlier on you know in the uh, the European tour shows, and he came over and played very, very well. He's a young guy. Chan Kim's 30 years, 31 years of age. You know, he's got five wins, I think it is, in Japan tour. Um, all over the last three or four years, have, you know, really uh, hit the form. 
Um, and to me, you know, if he's got anything going about him, like 23rd of the PJ Championship, like the 11th of the Open Championship, you don't really need to see anything else. He's, he's had very limited starts in majors and he's played very, very well. The 35th at the workday, he was in relatively uh, decent company and he never shot worse than 72. Um, never shot much better than, he didn't shoot better than 71, but he was consistent all week. And that was with rust. He hadn't played since October. So, you know, that he, he's shown since playing the PGA Championship what he can do when he's on a bit of a run of form. And I think you hit it on the nail on the head. He does have a extremely long driver and off the tee game, which plays the benefit. And um, you guys, you know, I've heard of, you know, he, he he's still going to be low on on DraftKings, but I think those that have done the research and see him standing out have dug into his profile a little bit, as I've heard him tipped here and there a little bit. And the popularity might be, you know, growing steadily, but what they've all kind of mentioned, and I think it makes a lot of sense, is his Japanese tour wins haven't been like absolute birdie fest, one of them over par, a couple others in single digits, you know, a grinder type of mentality. He shot a 67 at Kiowa on that Sunday, and it wasn't a putter that did it. You know, his Tina Green game was what really anchored him that week. So definitely love the Chan Kim train um, for the week. Uh, I think a pair of Corn Fairy guys could make sense too. Again, breaking our rules. A little bit, but bombers in Taylor Pendrith and specifically Cameron Young to me, you know, we saw Zalatoris finish tied for six last year at this event. You know, we saw Pendrith tied for what 21st or 23rd, you know, at this event. Both him and Young are inside the top 10 on the Corn Ferry Tour in distance. You know, both Young just won recently twice. Pendrith, I believe, has one win on the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, you know, Young was inside the top 10 through 54 holes just last week. You know, on the verge of, you know, breaking through and getting a promotion. He has played Torrey Pine South, too, where um, he did miss the cut at Farmers, but he lit it up at the South Course, actually, with his ball striking game. But he's the one he's teammates or was teammates with with Zalatoris at Wake Forest, you know, key insight from potentially another, you know, great golfer. I think taking him under this wing for the week, doing it in a, you know, U.S. Open just six months ago or eight months ago, I think does have a little mentor factor to it. So I'm really fancying both of them on DraftKings. So Pendrith 6,500, I believe Young is 6,800. Um, so I think Young, you know, from the each way perspective would be my selection of the two, but really excited for those two guys as well. Yeah, I kind of thought when you're going down that line, you might go on Justin Sir and, and Spigala as well. Both guys that have got really good form at Torrey Pines, uh, played there a lot as, as amateurs as well. Um, the, the one guy for me, if we're just going to throw out some low-owned, you know, one PJ Tour player that I think is not talked about a lot is Brendan Steele. You know, he's played some great golf in California. He's won twice at the Safeway Open, one of, uh, so on Poana surfaces. Um, and he's got a streaky good record in US Open. You go and have a look. He's gained strokes in a couple of those. Uh, top 15 finishes there. Play the, you know, the, the research I was doing when I was looking at these Reese Jones designers, what they're Cockhill, Aronomy, all those professionals. He just popped up in those sort of things. He's he's lower than the Adam Scotts and Justin Rose that I spoke about, but he was there and he's on those leaderboards. So, yeah, those guys. And, and I really like the Taylor Pendridge shout. You know, when you look more into that, it's, it's great. And I think we're starting to see the gap close between this Cornberry and PJ Sawyer. And I think Zadosaurus is the big sort of like the, the guy that's kind of really brought it to attention. But it's probably been happening longer than we really give it credit for. I think guys have really shown that. And that is exactly the point we're making when we talk about Guido Migliozzi. We talk about Wilco Nolan. You know, there's not a lot that needs to happen for them to do the same thing 
uh, it's just a different test. It's just a different golf course. And if their game stacks up, as these guys that we've spoken to do, we're not giving you the Richard Bland. We're not giving you the, I mean, we Marcus Armitage's recent one. We've not, we're not giving you guys maybe Coopland. We're not just, just throwing out European tour names for the sake of doing it. Um, we're giving you the guys that we really think have got the skill set to succeed in this championship. And they're guys that are going to be able to open it up, you know, and, and it's a hard show for us this week because I think there's a lot of guys at the top of the market that just dominate. You started off your your card with Bryson and Brooks. You know, we, we can't, we're not here to talk about that. If you want to hear that, then go to our other shows. But it, we want to focus on the European tour guys or the guys internationally that can really help build those lines to allow you to pick those guys. And I think we covered it really well. Absolutely. And I, I do have to cut us off because I'm really close to starting to go and talk about Akshay Batia's swing thought, <laughs> you know, form and, and his Monday qualifier. You know, I'm I'm that close on uh, getting there for us. But no, I think this is a great breakdown of the 6K range, some of our favorite under-owned, hopefully, guys in the 7Ks. So, Tom, could you talk about who you are on if you just review it one more time from the top? Yeah, so if I was Shane Lowry. I think the price is very much at a minimum of where I want it now. So I think that's You've kind of got to make a decision there on the price. Justin Rose, I really, really like him, 15, 60 to 1. Um, it's nice to have a wide veteran there. Uh, Jordan Smith, I think he's as big as four or 500 to 1. Um, I think really you'd be looking at the top 20 for him, um, but I certainly think he makes a lot of sense. And then Chang Kim was 1,000 to 1 over here. I think he's still 500 to 1 over there for you guys as well. Um, just as a guy that can get yourself into those extra places and can really help start your uh, drafting teams. Absolutely. Yep. So I am on, if we go through from the top again, we talked, you know, we mentioned Brooks Bryson's outdoors, but if we started on really uh, our European tour side, Robert McIntyre, $7,000 on DraftKings, 200 to one, 250, 225s are out there. still available with each ways. Um, Cameron Young, we mentioned the Corn Ferry tour, you know, 6,800, 400 to one. Um, we have Guido Migliazzi, 500, 600s are out there. Of course, we're jamming Guido in those lineups. Um, he is 6,800 as well. Um, and then we have Chan Kim. You mentioned him too. $6,100 opens up a ton of room on those lineups. And then I am chancing uh, Wilco as well for the week. Wilco was, you know, available closer to the 400s, um, I believe earlier, um, you know, as, as long as 1,000 to one last week, but he is $6,900. Um, so priced up a little bit, but I'm extremely extremely excited to see that um, driver on display at, you know, the course and the tournament that, you know, tests it more than anything. Here's to an amazing U S open, you know, again, one of our favorites, my favorite tournament of the entire year. So best of luck to everybody. Thank you, Tom, again, uh, for all your um, insight and everything you do each and every week for us. No, thank you. You know, you're leading the way with the pick. So I kind of just fill up the time and uh, look, if we keep talking like this, we're not doing another show for Corn Ferry Tour or Challenge Tour or God knows what else. So it needs to be careful and um, talking too much. But uh, yeah, look, it's been great as ever to talk with you and uh, hopefully your pick's coming again. Amen. Best of luck, everybody.